0: Good evening. Good evening. It's good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Tonight's lesson is one that I mentioned this morning was very interesting to me, and it's something that um, I had written down from a few weeks ago, I guess. But I had this idea uh, that was given to me. The lesson is entitled "The Unlikely Apostles." And of course, we just read in our scripture reading of the appointing of the apostles. And some of those names are very interesting. But I'm going to focus on three apostles tonight that I think are the most interesting as far as choices for apostles are concerned. Whenever we look at the apostles in particular, we see that few, if any... Of the apostles had any kind of background in ministry or religion. But whenever we look at them and how they were chosen by Christ... ...despite their varied and odd backgrounds... ...some of them had different occupations, some of them were fishermen... ...some of them um, had different occupations other than that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But despite their varied and odd backgrounds, they were still chosen by Jesus... As special and useful. Well equipped for the task that was set before them. And if they weren't well equipped at that point. It was something that they grew into later. I remember doing a series on Peter in particular. And looking at his life. He matured over time. It was not something that he was ready for at the very beginning. When he was first chosen. But he matured. And he was uh, very well equipped for the job. Most of the apostles became great leaders and teachers. I think the one exception that we would notice is Judas Iscariot. But these men were willing to die for the cause of Christ, and most of them did. But the focus of our lesson tonight is going to be on the three chosen men who were very unlikely candidates for apostleship. We're going to look at a publican or tax collector in Matthew. We're going to look at a zealot in Simon and one who was a persecutor of the church in Paul. And yet each of these served God faithfully until the end of their lives. Though it seems odd to us that Jesus would choose them based on their reputations and professions, they proved themselves to be right. For the job, they proved themselves to be worthy of the appointment of apostleship. I want us to look first at the choosing of the apostles. Now, the choosing of the apostles is given in three of the different gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give different representations of the choosing of the apostles. They have them in different orders. Which is another interesting thing to look at if you have the time. And then we also have some of the mention of these in Acts chapter 1 as well. But in Matthew chapter 10, and looking at verses 1 through 4, it says this. And when he had called his twelve, his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Interestingly, Judas Iscariot is mentioned at the last of all the lists. But we also have very similar that is written in Luke 6, verses 12 through 16. I want to read those verses as well. Luke 6, beginning with verse 12. It says, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother. James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, And Simon called the zealot. Judas the son of James and Judas Iscariot who also became a traitor. As we look at the different accounts we see some different details that are given in these. That are actually very similar and somewhat the same. But in Matthew's account we notice Matthew in particular. Matthew refers to himself in the writing as the tax collector. Simon, as I mentioned, we were going to look at him as well, is referred to in Matthew's account as the Canaanite. And this is a variation of the term zealot. And in Luke's account, there's no detail at all given for Matthew other than his name. And Simon is referred to as being called the zealot. And we'll look at that a little bit later as well. And though Paul is not mentioned as being chosen with the original twelve, we do find that Paul was an apostle, a very special apostle. In Romans 1, in verse 1, in the introduction of the letter to the Romans, it says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. And similarly, he mentions himself as an apostle, In his letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and Titus. We understand that he was appointed as an apostle by God. 1st Timothy chapter 2 verses 5 through 7. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. In Second Timothy chapter 1 we are given very similar to what we just read. Second Timothy 1 beginning with verse 8 says, "...therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began." But it has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So we understand that Paul also was, an, was appointed an apostle. Maybe out of time with the other apostles. But he was appointed an apostle. And he was appointed an apostle for the right reason. We see that as we look at his life. And how he encouraged the church. But as we look at these three men in particular. Matthew, Simon, and Paul. Despite what these men had been. And what they had done. Jesus still chose them to be apostles. We see that he didn't make a mistake when he chose those. He didn't make a mistake with any of them for that matter. Even Judas. Because Judas had been prophesied to betray him. But as we look at these men, we see that they were unlikely apostles. Let's look at Matthew In Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, we read of Matthew's calling to be an apostle. Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 9 And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but go. And learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we see Matthew here as he's doing his job as a, a tax collector. Jesus comes to him and says, follow me. We don't read of any hesitation here. We see that he got up and he followed him. Whenever Jesus was seen with tax collectors, people understood them to be sinners. That's part of the reason that tax collectors were so despised as they were. They were Jews who worked for the Roman government. And after meeting their responsibilities to their employer, financially speaking, they were free to keep what was left for themselves. And this often meant that they took more than was required to have more of the leftovers come their way. They were often included, at least in thought, with sinners. Maybe all the time included in thought with sinners. You know, Jesus was looked down on because he often associated and dined with tax collectors and sinners. And again, we go back to the verses that we previously read. And he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, he understood that they needed him. They weren't righteous, they were sinners. And so they needed the gospel, they needed Christ, they needed to follow. And so those were the ones that he spent a lot of his time with. He had compassion on those people. But seeing as he often associated and dined with tax collectors and sinners, it's interesting to find in the scriptures that eight of the fifteen times that tax collectors are mentioned in the New Testament, at least according to the New King James Version, they're a group of sinners. Eight of fifteen times tax collectors are mentioned with sinners. Another example of this is in the story of Zacchaeus. Who, when he saw that Jesus was coming, he couldn't see him. So he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And We know the rest of the story. Jesus comes by and says, Come down. I'm going to your house. And he does. Zacchaeus was also of a rough reputation. He was a chief tax collector, as we find in Luke chapter 19. But despite Matthew's occupation as a tax collector, despite his reputation among the people, Jesus came to him and said, Follow me. And to his credit, at least from what we can read, there was no hesitation there. He did exactly what he was asked to do. Another example of an unlikely apostle was in Simon And Simon is probably one of the least known of all the apostles. He's only mentioned in the lists of the apostles in the gospels. And once in Acts while in the upper room in Acts chapter 1. But he's referred to as a zealot. The term zealot is believed to refer to a political party in Judaism. Which encouraged rebellion against the Roman Empire. And it's not known exactly as to whether this is the reference. Uh, It is interesting to note that it is capitalized in the account in Luke as zealot. But it's speculated of him. Not known for sure. But it is believed that, that this was the case. That he was part of this rebellion against the Roman Empire. This zeal that refer, is used to refer to him could also have been translated into his service to Christ rather than simply describing what he once was. And if he was a zealot, if he was a part of this political party against the Roman government, it would be very interesting to see that zeal and how it plays out in his service to Christ. But being the fact that he was a zealot, if this is the case, as we believe it to be, makes him a very unlikely choice for an apostle, doesn't it? And yet he was chosen, and he did the job faithfully. Then we have Paul, and he's probably one of the more well-known of the apostles. Paul is formerly known as Saul. And the first mention of Saul is found in Acts chapter seven and chapter eight. Now I want to read Acts chapter seven verse fifty-seven through Acts eight and verse three. Acts seven fifty seven. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell. As we read into chapter 8, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, as we read in verse 3 of chapter 8, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. In our day and time, I do believe that we would refer to him as a terrorist. That's exactly what he did. He terrorized the Christian people He persecuted the church. And that makes him a very unlikely candidate here. It makes for a very unlikely beginning of someone who would later call himself an apostle. Saul was later converted to Christianity and he obeyed the gospel. I want to read from Acts chapter 9 beginning with verse 1. Says then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. The Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Skipping to verse 10 now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight. And inquire at the house of Judas, one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in. And putting his hand on him. for my name's said. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scale. And he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. This man who persecuted the church had such a, a negative reputation. So much so that Ananias was afraid when he was told to go to him. He was afraid to do it. But he became a Christian. And we see that he also became a great servant. Paul later remembered his time as a persecutor of the church with sadness and regret. He spoke of his past in regard to his appointment as an apostle in Galatians 1 verses 13 through 17. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy him. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. As he looks back on his former life, he regretted his past. First Corinthians 15 verses 3-11 through 11, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one, and so, you believed. Paul understood his standing among the other apostles. And he felt himself unworthy to be numbered with them based upon what he had formerly done. He's often humble in light of that. He, fe- he sees himself as the least of the apostles. He refers to himself as the chief of sinners. But Paul was a powerful, powerful encouragement to the church following his conversion and baptism. He was a preacher and teacher of the truth. He wrote many letters of encouragement, some written while he was in prison, while he was suffering persecution. And no matter what persecution he faced, including imprisonment, He never stopped speaking the truth. He even used his own trial as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Knowing firsthand what might happen to him. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that he was there when Stephen died? And what did Stephen do? Stephen preached a gospel sermon. And he was stoned for what he said. Paul was there. He was consenting to his death. And later, he did the exact same thing. When placed on trial, he used it as an opportunity to preach Jesus. He could have suffered death for that. He knew what could happen, but he never stopped speaking the truth. He was a strong Christian and worthy of his appointing as an apostle. Matthew, Simon, and Paul were unlikely to be called as apostles. They were not ministers or preachers. They were not priests. They did not serve in the synagogues. They had worldly reputations and worldly occupations. And yet they were chosen. One even stood directly against Christ in the teaching of the gospel. But though they were unlikely candidates for apostleship, they used their past experiences to help them grow in spiritual maturity. Looking at what they were and to what they later became, we understand that Jesus was not calling on random individuals. He could see their potential and knew their value to God and His kingdom. Looking at the examples of the unlikely apostles, do you see your own potential in God's service, in God's eyes? Your past does not exclude you from being a Christian. does not exclude you from being faithful. Just because you've done regrettable things does not mean you can't be a Christian. Some people feel unworthy to bear the name of Christ. But we have been called to Christianity. We have been called as disciples to follow Jesus. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Looking at our past and seeing our burden, he offers the invitation for us to come to Him. Those gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost were told to repent. Acts chapter 2 verses 37-38 through Now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are told to turn to Christ. Having faith and confessing that faith, we are told like the people on the day of Pentecost to repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. turning away from what we once were. We are to continue living faithfully for God. I want you to notice what the church of Ephesus was told in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. This reward is given to all Christians. All of those who remain faithful to God. Doesn't matter what you've done or what you have been. What matters is what you are now, or what you will be. Even Paul, one who persecuted the church, one who felt himself unworthy to even be numbered with the apostles. Even Paul was worthy of being cleansed by the blood of Christ. Even seeing himself as the chiefest of sinners. Whenever we look at our own past, it's easy to look back and see things that we've done wrong. See mistakes that we've made. See things that we can do better. I think we all see ourselves as Christians. I think we've all done those things that we need to do to become Christians. But at the same time, we need to remain faithful. And maybe it is that looking back on your past, you realize you're not faithful, not as you should be. Maybe there's something that you need to correct, something that you, can, something that you need to do to make yourself right inside of God. Maybe, there's, maybe you need to come for the purpose of prayer or to confess fault. Maybe you need to simply ask for strength. Maybe there's something we can help you with in that area of your life. But if you're not a Christian or if you're not a faithful child of God, the invitation is always open. And we extend the invitation to you now. You're in need of responding. Please come as together we stand and as we sing.